Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 55 past the hour, time for another Milwaukee Sports Time out here on 1250 AM. The Fantasy Broadcast live from the Wendy Studios. When the Bucks win, you win at Wendy's. That's right, after each and every... Milwaukee Bucks victory. Get yourself a free frosty chocolate or vanilla at participating Wisconsin Wendy's. Uh, Bucks now tied at one in their series with the Miami Heat as they get ready to play Game Three coming up on Saturday night. And now we are joined by Eric Name of the Athletic, who of course covers uh, the Milwaukee Bucks. And uh, we'll get into the game, uh, but I want to start off first uh, about your piece with Jimmy Haslam and Wesley Edens uh, in the Athletic uh, that you did a chance to sit down and talk to both of their of those guys. Uh, I guess your uh, initial reaction and sense of Jimmy Haslam, since uh, you've actually been able to talk to him, unlike the rest of us. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, I think when you look at kind of everything that he's doing, I think there's a lot of concern from Bucks fans. Um, obviously, I think you and I have talked about it, uh, and you have some concern about you know someone new coming into an ownership group. Uh, and to me, it seems like. Jimmy Haslam is aware of that, uh, of maybe um, what his reputation might be and what people think. And and I think to mitigate some of that, you've seen some of the things that, that he's done, right? Like rather than make it a big scene coming in, uh, you know, his first media availability is, you know, quietly in a room, not on cameras with, you know, the, the local media members and the ones that are writing about it. And, uh, you know, rather than uh, a big press conference and, you know, trying to make it about him, um, it, you know, you look at the, the governorship and how that's going to work over the next five years and the fact that, you know, he gave the first five years to West Edens. And, and I shouldn't say gave, but, you know, that's what they ultimately decided on, that West Edens is going to take the first five years uh, on the governor's seat. And both sides you know, downplayed the idea that that really means anything, you know, it's a partnership and, and all that. But, you know, I think we've seen over the years that, you know, the, the person that is sitting in the governor's chair does tend to have the power. Exactly. Um, so, so uh, again, I think overall, 
it, it, to me, it seems as though Jimmy Haslam is, is quite aware of, of what people might think of him. And uh, I do think there, there's a lot of it that's like, hey, I want to come in here and not screw this thing up. Let, let's see if we can win a championship this year. And then, you know, to me, the biggest question I asked was, you know, the this team is going to be in the luxury tax. If you want it to be good, um, you know, it's a reality for this team. And the repeater tax is coming around uh, this summer. And I'm very curious, you know, how you feel about it. And And really, Jimmy Haslam looked at me straight in the eyes and just said, we're committed to winning. And we talked about that early on. And that was, to me, that, that suggests like, hey, I'm ready to send the checks and, and get this thing done. But again, those things don't happen until they happen, right? Uh, throughout all of this, uh, you know, I've asked a luxury tax question to owners um, every media day uh, since the, the luxury tax, the Bucks have been in an area where, you know, the luxury tax can be around and, the answer is always yes. We are committed to being a luxury tax for a team that we believe can win a championship. And, you know, you can say those things. And the first time around with Malcolm Brogdon, that didn't happen. They, they made a move that, that skirted it. And I think you can argue that ultimately that might have been the right decision. Some people might say that was the wrong decision. Uh, you can argue both sides of it, but they decided to avoid it. So since then, they've been in a luxury tax. That isn't something that they've avoided, but you know, words only mean so much. It'll be your actions. And I think we'll get the answers to those questions. Um, obviously, I, I asked them and I got them in word form. But at the end of the day, the action is really what speaks. I have so many questions about this. Uh, so my next thing is, you're around this team. You talk to all these guys. You have your, you're in the middle of it far more than I am. I had heard rumblings that uh, part of what was going on with Mark Lazary was he didn't want to go into this repeater tax and have to pay all this money and so forth. And that might have been uh, his sign to kind of get out of this uh, while he could and make a bunch of money on the way out, obviously. Uh, do you have any ideas uh, of why he decided to get out? I mean, I don't I don't think anyone wants to be in the repeater tax. Right. No, like, let's just start there. Yep. No, no one wants to be there. It's, it's a really crummy place to be. Uh, and the new CBA only makes it harder uh, for teams and more prohibitive to, to do these types of things and go in, into those areas. So I, that's where I would start. But then I think the other thing that people have to realize is that, you know, as you go into the repeater tax and that bill gets larger, um, no matter how much money you're making on the back end, and to be clear, owners are always going to make a whole lot of money on the back end. Once they sell the team, they're going to buy it at a lower price and then they're going to sell it at a much higher price. You don't get that money during that time. While you own the team, you're not getting that money. You have to, out of your own checkbook, write a check and hand it over to the league. And I think what we're seeing around the league is that, you know, there are wealthy people, super wealthy people, and stupid wealthy people. <laughs> and it, when you go through all those levels, you can see these people and, you know, it, it does to me, it's going to be difficult to, you know, just have a hundred million dollars liquid around that you can just write a check and say, all right, here's a hundred million. And, and, and I think that's what you're seeing around the league is that, you know, there is a difference on all of these levels and the ease with which you can write one of those checks. And, and I just think, the reason why you see someone like Jimmy Haslam come in here 
over Mark Lazary and buying out Mark Lazary's spot is he's simply more wealthy. And uh, writing a check like that is not going to hurt him in the same ways that, that it might hurt someone like Mark Lazary or, or really any number of owners around the league. So to me, that's the big thing is, is going to be seeing people around the league figure out, one, is this the model, right? Like I think when they put in the luxury tax rules, they didn't think people would actually pay it. I think uh, around the league, it was like, who on earth would pay all of this money with no guarantee of a winner? And Steve Ballmer raised his hands like, me, I will. Thank you. Um, and, you know, Joe Lacob, same thing. Yeah, with the Warriors. Yep. And, and you go to the Nets and Joe Sy. Yep. All these people signed up for it. And, and I don't think initially the league thought that that was going to happen. And that's why you're seeing the next level of the CBA try to make it harder for those teams that do want to pay to keep their teams together and then not get a mid-level exception and then not get a first-round pick. The, the goal is to, I think, in some ways curb people from doing that. But if wealthier and wealthier people own these teams, there's going to be people that just say, I don't care, and I will keep paying it. And, and that, to me, I think is where the interesting part of, of all this is going from a league perspective. And, and I think you're kind of seeing that in Milwaukee with, you know, bringing in an even wealthier person in Jimmy Haslam instead of Mark Lazary. Alex Lazary also uh, leaving the organization you put on social media the other day. Uh, what was his role in the organization, and uh, are they obviously going to have to go outside to fill it, or will they just move on without that position? Yeah, I mean, so to me, I think Alex had a, a more prominent role uh, in some of the, the basketball things that the, the team is doing before his Senate campaign. Um, but after he started his Senate campaign, he was not in any role with the organization. He was, you know, fully committed to kind of doing all the things with the campaign. Um, and, and I think the, the organization as a whole has adjusted for that, right? Like the idea that, you know, he isn't going to be able to help out with any of those things or, or do any of the things that he, he had a role in. Um, so to me, I don't think they, they are going to be thinking like, hey, we need to fill this role. Because I do think, you know, the organization has kind of moved past that already. Um, and then when he, when he came back from the signing campaign, uh, I never got the sense that he had kind of, you know, come back to fulfill that same role that he had previously. I want to go back to that article in The Athletic, a great one. If you haven't checked it out, if you don't subscribe to The Athletic, you should, because uh, there's a lot of good writers uh, Eric name was the reason uh, I bought in uh, to the athletic and I'll be honest the other person I read a ton of like every day is Jesse Temple uh, with Badger football he does an amazing job uh, as well at, at the athletic uh, but I, I want to talk about this this governor ship thing uh, that we talked about earlier because I'll be honest I got confused uh, reading the answer so I read it as the NBA kind of said no you have to have the split governorship because that's kind of what the agreement was when you all bought the team between Edens and Lazary, so you're going to have to have the split governorship between Haslam uh, and Edens now going forward. But then at the same point, I'm thinking to myself, if that's true, I don't know how they can justify that one way or the other. So I guess I'm confused as to as far as how he ends up in this governorship role. I'm going to need you to rephrase that question. <laughs> I don't what when, when I read yeah. the answer as far as how he got into the governorship role, uh, buying into this, 
and I should just sure. bring it up on my phone and read the answer. But it made it sound kind of like, you know, they talked to the league, the league kind of made it sound like, well, this was kind of the agreement when this thing came in. So if you're replacing Mark, then you're also taking over the governorship role because that was part of the agreement when the Bucks uh, were bought by this former group. Or am I reading right. it wrong? Uh, and Edens was the one that made the call to have him as the governor. No, I, I think essentially what you're looking at is, you know, they were trying to figure out who might buy a, a share from Mark Lazarus, right? Like Mark Lazarus was the one selling his share. No one else involved in any of this was selling their share. Mark Lazarus was selling his share. So once that was, you know, a decision that they made, uh, you know, I think they tried to figure out who it might be that would buy that. I think initially um, from all indications, Matt Ishbia, who ended up buying the Suns, was someone that was considered for that. Yeah. That didn't end up working out. Uh, and, and then Jimmy Haslam is, you know, as he kind of talked about, him and Wes got to know each other a little bit when Jimmy Haslam tried to buy into the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, so they got to know each other a little bit there, and then Jimmy wanted to come in with that. Uh, and then from there, I think the way I understand it is that because Mark was selling his share and only his share, the the league was just like, okay, well, if that's the case, then we're going to keep these things in place because that is the structure that was agreed upon when you guys did this uh, in 2015. So this is what it's going to be. And I don't think there was really, I mean, maybe there were some negotiations about, you know, who goes first or, you know, what term ends. And obviously they, cut uh, what was Lazarus' term a uh, year and a half short, and then West started a new cycle with five years. Um, but uh, I think overall the, the league kind of wanted to make sure that they kept the structure in place because, you know, that was the structure that they had in place to make sure that, you know, this team had enough funding and, and all those things. Was there ever any talk about, you know, Jamie Dynan or Edens or anybody within that group buying Lazary out or the group buying Lazary out and keeping it just to the core group of owners they had already and not letting an outsider in? That is a question for Wes Edens. So that hasn't come up yet. We haven't had that conversation. All right. I'm just curious. People asked me that, and I didn't know the answer to that, and uh, I didn't see the answer to that in that article, so I didn't know if you had asked him that in the past or not, so I figured I'd follow up. Uh, one last thing for you. Obviously, we should talk about the Milwaukee Bucks, but I really wanted to talk about that article. That's the main reason I got you on. Uh, this series tied in one. I said before game two, I thought this team could beat the Heat without Giannis uh, and didn't think it was a, a big issue that he wasn't going to play in game two. I then went on to send the Green and Growing podcast uh, after the game, uh, Nathan Marzian, that I wouldn't play him on Saturday either, even though he'd probably want to fight me to get on the court to play. I, I want him 100% for the rest of the playoffs uh, in I don't think they really need him at this point on Saturday. I'd rather just hold on to him until Monday and then play him in the second game in Miami. Uh, your thoughts on this Bucks team without Giannis uh, and the need to have Giannis in this series? Uh, I mean, I think it really depends um, kind of what Bucks team comes out. Um, I, I just thought the – and Javon Carter put it nicely. Right? I mean, it wasn't very nice. It was a pretty blunt assessment. Um, but you know, he said like, we got to play like it's a playoff game. And, and I just don't think they did that in game one. Uh, I just thought it was, you know, a situation where, you know, they've been the one seed before, um, and they've played the Detroit Pistons in the Orlando magic. And you know what you can do against those two teams? You can roll the ball out 
and you'll be fine. You'll, you, sure, it might be close for a little bit, but ultimately you'll be fine. And and one thing you you can't do against the Miami Heat is just roll the ball out. Like those those dudes compete. Eric Spolstra is a lunatic. He's going to make sure his team plays hard. Jimmy Butler is the same. Bannon out of Biles the same. Like that team is going to play really hard. And if you're not willing to match that level, they can embarrass you. Uh, and in game two, the Bucks matched their level, and everything was totally fine. So uh, to me, I think you know, I, there's a little bit of to me uh, the thought of okay, now that you won one game, does it go back to game three? And you're like, ah, oh, you know, we'll be fine. Or does that intensity stay? Because if that intensity stays, I agree with you. I, I do think they could beat this team without Giannis. And, and and they could get through this series without him. But bringing that kind of level and that kind of intensity on a night-to-night basis, uh, I think is a little bit more difficult. I don't. I, that's not to say that they can't do it. I think all, everyone on that team is always motivated uh, in those games to, one, win it for Giannis because they do love him. Uh, but then also to to prove to the world, like, hey, we're actually really good at basketball. Um, all of us are really good. Like, we know Giannis is the MVP, and he's fantastic. But also, all of us uh, are really talented basketball players. And, and I think that's why so often uh, in these last couple of years in the playoffs, when, when he's gone down, you've seen them really step up and have some big games. Um, so we will see going forward, but yeah, I mean, this, this is the series before it, uh, that I said it was going to be, uh, bucks in, in five. And, and I think I, I would stay with that prediction. Like I, I do think they can win these next three games and, and take care of business. I have one last one for you. Uh, any idea why Connaughton didn't play in game one? He was out of the rotation. It was that simple. So Matthews gets hurt, and that's how he gets back in and then shows up. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think it was pretty clear after the Sixers and Celtics games late in the season that, you know, they had made their choice. And the only way that you could really manage a rotation of nine and a half was someone on the wing had to be cut out. And, and they ultimately decided that that was Pat Connaughton. And they were going to go with. Wesley Matthews, they were going to go with Jay Crowder, uh, Grayson Allen, obviously, in the starting lineup, and then, you know, you're looking at Middleton or Javon Carter, but whatever. Connington was going to be on the outside looking in, and, and that was the decision that they made, and, you know, uh, I've talked to some people, you know, before the series, I've done radio interviews and, and all those things, and, you know, one of the things I said was, it's going to be really interesting to see how Mike Boonholzer manages all of this. Like, that, that in itself is going to be fascinating. But I think one thing people forget is that the decision was made for him in 2021. P.J. Tucker was not a, a major part of the rotation before Dante DiVincenzo got hurt. Dante T- DiVincenzo got hurt, and then he became that guy. He, and again, I'm not saying he was out of the rotation, but it was a smaller role. Uh, and then the decision got made for from Mike Boonholzer because Dante got hurt and P.J. Tucker took on a larger role. And uh, I don't know how long Wesley Matthews is going to be out. A lot of the times when he's had these calf strains, it's been a couple of weeks. Um, and that just might be the opportunity that Pat Connaughton needed to solidify himself back in the rotation. And then, you know, when these things come, when Wesley Matthews comes back around, if they keep winning, maybe he's the one on the outside looking in. So uh, I think it, it'll be really interesting to see. But no, Pat was out of the rotation uh, because they had decided to go in a different direction. And, and now Pat Connaughton is back in. 
No, I'm I'm totally fine with uh, both of those answers. Uh, follow Eric Name on Twitter at Eric underscore Name. If you haven't bought his book, uh, 100 Things Bucks, you should. Uh, probably people aren't talking about it as much as they could, but you can always go to Amazon and get that 100 Things Bucks book uh, by Eric Name of The Athletic. Eric, thanks so much for coming on, man. Enjoy the rest of the playoffs. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.